Hey, you guys. Today we have on the podcast Miss Arkansas, Darren Dahlem. Darren is a graduate of the University of Arkansas, a current medical student, and she was crowned Miss Arkansas in 2019. She also represented Miss Arkansas at the 2020 Miss America pageant and has earned a number of awards throughout the process, including the Jesse Ward Bennett Leadership Award. She has served as Arkansas's spokesperson for the Children's Miracle Network and the Arkansas Children's Hospital. Her platform for the competitions is called Know Who You Are, and it's rooted in Darren's belief that if you truly know who you are, you won't be led to do or be something you're not. So on that note, we had a fantastic conversation. She is so real, genuine, and true to herself, and I think that really comes across in her answers to my questions and the stories that she shares. As always, if you get to the end of this episode and think this is a great resource for women unlocking their leadership potential, I would be so, so thankful for a star and comment review. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to today's episode of the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast, where we offer bite-sized lessons and steps that you can implement as a part of your journey towards becoming the very best that you can be. This is your podcast host, Brigitte Borenstein, and just so you know, for planning purposes, we release a new episode the first and third Tuesday of every month with some amazing guests. Thank you so much for joining me for today's discussion. I hope you'll return my handshake to you. You can do that through becoming a part of this community on Instagram, my website, bestyoucanbe.com, or by subscribing and leaving helpful comments. Hey, Darren, thanks so much for hopping on the podcast and joining me. No, thank you. I'm so excited that I was able to do it. Me too. And also, oh my gosh, congratulations on finishing your first year of medical school, right? How's that been going for you so far? It's been going. I finished last Friday and it was so funny because I'm watching all of, first off, the undergraduates, they're all graduating at the beginning of May. I'm seeing the pharmacy school that got out at the end of April. And then I'm looking down at my class calendar and it's like, oh, our last day is May 28th. So everyone got out before the med students. And so that in and of itself was a trial, but I'm excited that I made it, especially because I really didn't think I was going to be able to do it. I remember I cried the night before our first class because I looked at the material and it was all the muscles of the back, which in retrospect was probably the easiest thing I've learned all year. But I'm looking at it and I'm going, I don't know these words these words aren't in English. They all sound and look the same. And so I remember just sitting there crying, thinking like, there's no way I'm going to make it through this, but we did it. That's amazing. So you're a fourth of the way through, right? A fourth of the, well, I mean, a fourth of the way through medical school. And then after med school, you have residency and all that fun Grey's Anatomy looking stuff that they make TV shows out of the struggle part. (laughs) Right. Well, it'll all be worth it. I'm sure. And I also have to say, just before I start asking you my questions, I have to say that I have learned so much just preparing for our conversation today. I know that you, you initially piqued my interest just with some really meaningful values and things that you've advocated for. But when I started just researching on my own more about the Miss America organization and like learning how this entire world that you're a part of works. Cause I had no idea. I have just been so amazed. Like I had no idea that it began in 1921. I had no idea about that. And I also had no idea that it's the nation's leading advocate for women's education and just yeah. the largest provider of, of scholarship funds in the U S right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that's actually one of the main reasons why I got involved because, um, well, first off, I got involved because my mother made me. Back when I was 13 years old, um, I was a huge tomboy and was just not about to do anything that had to do with being on stage. And my mom was like, no, this is going to be a good experience for you. You're going to do it. And hated it and swore I was never going to do another pageant for as long as I lived. But then when I started researching it again, and I realized that I wanted to go to college, and I didn't really know how we were going to pay for that, I looked back into the Miss Arkansas system and realized that even in the Miss America system, which is the number one provider of scholarships for women, Miss Arkansas is the number one provider of scholarships out of all of the Miss America system. Um, Yeah, so every year Miss Arkansas gives out more scholarship money than any other state. And so I was like, okay, this is a way I can go to school, I guess. And that was one of the big draws for me as well. That's, that's really amazing. So when did you, if you initially got involved because your mom made you, yep. um, good job, mom. <laughs> when did you really decide that this was going to be something super serious for you? And like, can you, can you just explain to us how the steps work leading up to becoming Miss Arkansas? Yeah. And so every state's a little different. Miss Arkansas, because it is a big scholarship provider, it has one of the biggest pageants as well. So, I mean, you could go to some states that'll have, you know, maybe 10 contestants. This year at Miss Arkansas, we have 51. So my first year at Miss Arkansas, there were 46. And so it's kind of convoluted throughout the system. But in Arkansas, the way that it works is it's kind of like football is how I always explain it to the school kids that I go to. You have to win a local preliminary competition to get to go to state. And then you have to win Miss Arkansas to go to Miss America. And it's changed recently. When I first got started, there was swimsuit talent, evening gown, um, and interview. And then there was an onstage question portion as well. And recently the Miss America system has gotten rid of the swimsuit competition. And so now there is a portion that you speak for 90 seconds about whatever your platform is and what you've chosen to uh, kind of champion for your years, Miss Arkansas. So first off, everyone has to have a platform and it can be whatever you want it to be. And when I was 13 years old and was told by my mother, I was doing this, my platform was therapeutic horseback riding for mentally and physically disabled children. Um, It was something I had worked with for a while. And it was the only thing I could think of that I was like, oh, this is cool. And I could get my community involved. And then you go through all the phases of competition. But I think the big thing is, it wasn't until my third year competing that I realized that preparing for the competition and preparing for the job of Miss Arkansas are two very different things. I mean, as Miss Arkansas, I have only one time been asked to model a swimsuit, to which I said, no, nobody, nobody wanted me to model any swimsuit last January. Um, That was a big mistake on their part, marketing. But, you know, and then being in an evening gown, yes, you do have to do that, but you're, no one's ever going to judge me on how I'm walking. But it is more about being confident in yourself, being able to walk into any situation and have whatever it is be thrown at you and be okay with it. Um, and, And that in and of itself, I think is the kind of core value that Miss America set out to have was that we're going to prepare young women for whatever facet of life that they want to do, Um, whether it's medical school, whether it's um, a marketing degree, it it really does prepare you to be able to walk into any room and feel comfortable in it. That's so critical for anything, just like you said, but I would love for you to share a little bit more about what ended up being your platform, your know who you are platform, because I feel like there's so much valuable information to take away from just that. So would you mind just sharing a little bit about that platform, why you decided to choose it, and then also why you think, I know you already just talked about this a little bit, but why, why you think that being comfortable in your own skin does play such a crucial role in resisting peer pressure? Yeah. 
And I think I skipped over this when you said like, when did I realize this was going to be something that I wanted to pursue? And it was when I started seeing a change in myself. For me, I realized Arkansas ranks number one when it comes to teenage addiction, especially between the ages of 12 and 17. And I personally have had um, many friends and family members that I know of who have struggled with addiction in the past. And so it really, I sat down and started thinking, you know, why would a 17 year old feel the need to start using drugs for the first time or abusing alcohol for the first time? And what I came back to was that there is such a community that can wrap around that when you realize that a lot of people turn to these situations because they feel like they have nothing left. They feel like what they do doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they, if they decide to use drugs, it doesn't matter if they decide to vape because at the end of the day, no one cares and it's not going to hurt anybody anyway. For me, I always really struggled with my own self-esteem because I was always different um, in high school. I was the high school mascot. I was not popular. I tried out for cheer team every year and never made it. I ran for every student council position and came in last place every single time. And it didn't matter how many posters I put up or how many Jolly Ranchers I gave out at the fair, like it just never happened for me. And so for me, I always felt like kind of the ugly duckling. And so going to college is when I really started to branch out and realize that we don't all have to be the same. And those differences and what make us, what makes me a giant Harry Potter nerd is what makes me beautiful to somebody else. And the fact that, you know, I would much rather stay home and read a book than go out and stay out late with my friends is something that, you know, it's different, but it's me. I, I think I meant, we mentioned earlier when I was talking that when I was crowned Miss Arkansas, I sat back and thought I had never seen someone like me be crowned. I originally applied to medical school once before and didn't get it. And it took me back to when I saw my first Miss Arkansas. And I remember she was speaking and she was beautiful and she was tan and eloquent. And I just remember thinking like, wow, I bet she was the prom queen. And I bet she was the head cheerleader and I bet she would have gotten into med school her first time. And so then me standing up there thinking, if anybody finds out that I was the high school mascot, that I didn't get into med school the first time, like, are they going to look at me as the Miss Arkansas that I saw when I was their age? And that's what made me realize that knowing myself and knowing that, you know, the road to success is not paved with success. If I was able to share that and just speak up then maybe one kid out there could see it and realize that just because their life hasn't been perfect and that they haven't always succeeded doesn't mean that they can't achieve their ultimate goal. Because my ultimate goal became Miss Arkansas when I realized that the changes I saw in myself were good ones. And that if people could just see that in me, then I could maybe help them see that in themselves. That is so good. I love specifically what you said at the very end there about how the road to success isn't paved with success. I don't know. I just feel like we get so caught up with, I mean, we all, we all do it. I feel like to a certain extent, looking at the the highlight reel, so to speak, and yeah. kind of comparing, like, like you said, you know, seeing, seeing somebody else be crowned and you just immediately make all these assumptions like, oh, well, she was probably this, 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 but I couldn't agree with you more. And I guess, could you talk about too, just like what growth happened in your mindset and your belief in your, your confidence. Cause it seems like, I mean, I don't want for this to sound weird. I did a lot of research before hopping on. 
And I watched a lot of the YouTube videos that there are of the competition. I was like, wow, she looks so confident. Like she looks so comfortable in who she is and in her skin. You're so great speaking on stage. You sang on stage. And so I was wondering if you could also just share with us the growth that was required to get to that point of being on stage all the time, being kind of judged and put up against a whole host of other very talented young women, all competing with different dreams. Have you learned any valuable lessons about overcoming personal insecurity, maybe overcoming body image or or whatever it is that's kind of unique to you? Yeah, I think, so that was something that was always fun for me. So I love competing. And the fact that I'm done competing for forever now is just, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. I I don't know what I'm going to do without that facet, because for me, Being on stage was always where I was the most comfortable. Being asked those hard political questions are the times that I felt the most intelligent, the most confident, the most holistically daring that I could. The problem is, is when I stepped off the stage and was talking to people my own age, no one asked me what I thought about the climate that's going on in the Middle East right now. Nobody asked me about what I thought about universal healthcare and how we could incorporate it into our own society. They asked me about like, did you watch the Kardashians? To which my answer was always, absolutely not. And I, I never felt authentically myself. And I felt, I feel like that's something that, I mean, you mentioned the highlight reel, but there's also a highlight reel within and of ourselves that maybe isn't on social media. Like there are people that you can see like soccer players, where they are so confident in their abilities and they can go on the soccer field and they, they look amazing, they're so coordinated. But then maybe when they're in the classroom, that's when we see that they, they don't have that confidence because we can be confident in different facets and completely unconfident in other ways. And that's kind of how I was. I wasn't confident off the stage like I was on the stage. I, I felt mm-hmm. like, although that I could be myself on stage. I still had horrible stage fright when it came to singing, but speaking, I was totally fine. And so then when people were like, oh, you can sing, like, why don't you perform for this play? And I just couldn't do it. I would lock up. And so that was maybe the first growth that I noticed in and of myself was when the first time I got on stage, I remember it. Um, I had horrible stage fright until I decided to sing Somebody to Love by Queen because I talked to my mom and realized like, I'm not doing well in talent anyway. So if maybe if I sing a song I like, it'll help me get past it. And it was the third time that I had performed with this song because I did 11 prelims before I ever was able to make it to state. And I remember the mic wasn't on when the music started. So I'm standing there and I start singing the first like five seconds of the song and I'm like, oh great, the microphone's not on. And so they were like, no, like we're gonna start her over. It's totally fine. And oddly enough, that happened at Miss Arkansas too, the year I won. I started singing and the microphone's not on and it took me back to when I was 15 years old trying to sing again. And I was like, maybe this is a great time, who knows? But I remember when I got reset for the song, my knees weren't shaking. And I was actually able to get through the song and not feel like at the end of it, I was going to throw up. That was the first moment that I realized like, okay, we've, we've made some progress here. And I mean, now, like I sang the national anthem a couple nights ago at the old Fort Days Rodeo in Fort Smith, and there was like 30 something thousand people there and I had no issues. Um, And so, I mean, you see growth on the stage, but I think the growth off the stage happened mostly after I was crowned because I had to realize that whether or not I ever felt like Miss Arkansas, they gave me the crown and I had to walk into whatever room I was as Miss Arkansas. And that's what people saw. Very few people are ever gonna remember the name Darren. They may remember I have red hair, but they will remember that Miss Arkansas came and talked to them. And I had to own up to it. 
And so understanding that side of it, that, you know, weird and quirky or not, I was still Miss Arkansas. It kind of gave me the ability to get on stage and be weird and quirky and interact with all the kids around me and, and go into business meetings and talk to the people and be myself. And I think that in the long run, I realized that because I was comfortable with who I was, they were comfortable with talking to Miss Arkansas and that that ended up making a bigger impact in somebody's life. And if I had gone in there and, you know, put on the crown and, and decided to be like the wallflower in the cocktail dress that just looked the part, but didn't actually try and go out and sound the part because there is no part. Um, Miss Arkansas is a woman. Miss Arkansas is a person. And so she's going to say, um, she's going to trip across the floor and she's going to make an absolute fool of herself when she does it and accidentally turn around and bump into a governor that's on stage and seeing an event. And that was embarrassing in and of itself. But then you laugh and you walk off and everyone finds it endearing. So that was the growth that I found that being the clumsy person that I was and making that Miss Arkansas has helped me be able to do kind of whatever I want and still be that clumsy person and be okay with it. No, absolutely. Well, that's, that's, I'm really glad that you shared that because that's very like humanizing, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. I wanted to ask you too, just on the same topic of being comfortable in your own skin and I guess just sort of rising above those insecurities. I, f- I feel like sometimes our insecurities are like really just between our two ears, you know, and if we just yeah. push through enough to actually do the thing that we're scared of, then we're like, oh, I can do this. Why was yeah. I insecure in the first place? But I think that we all know what we're insecure about, you know, and we all know whether we are or aren't comfortable in our own skin. Um, So I wanted to ask you, you know, for the woman listening who already knows deep down that she isn't really stepping into her full potential, that she isn't really being her full self, you know, embracing all the quirks and the little goofy things that make her imperfectly perfect. What advice do you have for that woman? Well, I think the first step comes from realizing, and and we all do it. And I feel like denial, it has such a bad connotation because we associate it with, you know, issues with our mental health, which in and of itself isn't talked about enough, but it is a form of denial when you're like, oh no, nothing's wrong. I, it's not that I have a specific insecurity. I just, I just don't want to do that. You kind of have to realize like, what is it that's holding you back? And I feel like when you can identify that is when you can be like, all right, it doesn't matter. Because for me, my biggest issue was my peers and being made fun of and kind of being the butt. Because I I was already picked on in in high school. I mean, I was kind of already the butt of everybody's joke. And so I think that my biggest fear, especially with singing, was becoming a bigger target, realizing that I was kind of adding fuel to that fire. And then once I realized that I was afraid of what other people thought I was able to sit down and be like, okay, but do I care in the long run? And then the answer was no, which it always should be no. And it didn't really help in the long run for me to be like, oh, now all of a sudden my stage fright's gone. I mean, it was still there, but because I had identified it, because I had put a name to it, I was able to say like, all right, I'm not going to let something else, somebody else dictate what I do with my life. Um, And then also starting small. So, I mean, I, like I said, I was 13, had horrible stage fright, said I was never doing another pageant again. The next pageant I did didn't have a talent. It was just the county fair pageant. And so I took the parts that I was good at, the interview part, which I love interview, um, walking on stage in evening gown and then the swimsuit and just did that instead. And then when I got comfortable with that, I was able to be like, okay, Now we can maybe conquer the next fear. So starting small and giving yourself the grace to do so. I mean, I'm, I'm, you made a very good point. Like 
I feel like a lot of the things that we don't do in life are because we think like, oh, that's not something I would ever do in the long run. But I've always been a really big proponent of like, okay, so what if you don't want to, you know, be a TV anchor in the long run? Like, why don't you do it? Just to say you did it. And so I was actually an anchor for uh, the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville. I was a TV anchor for them for an entire semester just because I felt like trying out to be a TV anchor one day. And number one, I've learned that I didn't really want to be a TV anchor, but I I guess that could be a backup if I don't want to ever be a doctor for the rest of my life. But I met new people and I, I had a new experience and it forced me to do something that I had never done before. And that's such a valuable lesson. And so maybe if you're trying to work up the courage to try out for your local play, do something small, like sign up for your church's choir and start in little ways that are uncomfortable, but you're still comfortable. And then being able to push that boundary. And that all starts with identifying the sole reason of why you think you wouldn't fit that mold. Because number one, there should never be a mold for anything that we do, whether it's acting, whether it's being a leader in a a community, whether it's being Miss Arkansas, there shouldn't ever be a one mold. Yes, we all share traits. I mean, every leader um, will have similar traits. Similar traits doesn't mean identical traits. And we, we forget that. So doing those small things that make you start to become comfortable in uncomfortable situations is really the only way that you're going to get to be able to succeed in whatever you want to do. I couldn't agree more. I I think a few episodes back, I did one on, um, actually, this was in the very beginning. I did an episode on getting out of your comfort zone. And the way I like to think of it is like, we all almost have this, this bubble around us that is our comfort zone. And if you just take one little baby step pushing against its boundary at a time, then it just slowly, but surely gets bigger. And then you look back behind you and you're like, oh my goodness, I can do so many things that I didn't realize I could before. I think also, I like the emphasis that you're putting on sort of the journey and not the end goal, because I feel like so often we're just focused on like, okay, I'm here. I want to get here. Uh, Mm -hmm. and how am I going to fill in all of the steps of the staircase in between as opposed to just focusing on one step at a time. I love that you mentioned like the staircase, because especially with know who you are. I I mean, I talk about number one, that I said that like people don't just succeed into being successful. And so for me, I realized that. So in my journey over the five years, I was top 10, my first year at Miss Arkansas, didn't even make the top 15 my second year, but somehow one overall interview. My third year, I went from that to being first runner up. The next year I was second runner up and then I ended up winning. And so I think that sometimes we also think that like, there's a linear pathway, like, okay, in order to be the quarterback, I have to be the co-captain. And in order to be co-captain, I have to be really good. The, you know, my second year on the football team. And That's not really the way that life works. And I think also that holds us back from so many opportunities. I I specifically know of somebody who he just started in a position. He was offered a new job and he was like, well, that's what I want to do, but I just don't feel like I'm ready. I need more years of training. Like most everybody has at least three years of training and they're offering it to me after I've only been here a year. So I'm going to have to turn it down. And it's because he was uncomfortable with maybe not being able to walk into a room and being like, yep, just like you, I had three years of training instead of taking the opportunity and realizing like his staircase was only two steps, whereas their staircase was five steps. It's not the same and it's not linear and it's great to have role models and idealize like, and start to internalize those types of qualities that you see in that person. But then also once again, realizing that like they're from a different background, they're a different person. And so just because it took me 11 prelims to make it to state and five years to be Miss Arkansas, like that doesn't mean that there can't be a girl who wins her first time 
and, and just going back to understanding that we're all different and that is absolutely okay. And it doesn't mean that you can't do whatever it is just because you didn't pay your dues or you've paid too many dues, if that makes sense. No, I really like that. And also I should have probably kind of highlighted this before, but with your journey to finally becoming Miss Arkansas, wasn't your fifth year, like the year that you won, wasn't that going to be your last? Mm -hmm. I'm struggling with it now. I'm, I'm a person that I'm like an emotional hoarder, which is so funny because like, I'm not, I feel I always, I've always said like, I'm not an emotional person. Like I'm very good at compartmentalization, which is going to be great as a physician, but some people hoard things. I hoard attachments and people and relationships. I finally had gotten to where like, you don't want to be the super senior at the high school football game. I was like, this is my fifth year. I'm going to graduate. Like I need to do something that's, I need to get out of the comfort zone because my comfort zone had been become being Miss Arkansas. And then as much as I wanted to be Miss Arkansas, you just have to realize that. And I realized early on that there are so many amazing women that I looked up to that would have been absolutely phenomenal Miss Arkansas. They just never won. And that's okay. That didn't mean that they didn't make an impact and they're not still making an impact. They just were never crowned Miss Arkansas. And that's through no fault of their own. The timing just wasn't correct. And so it was going to be my last year. And I was so at peace. And I remember sitting on the stage and being like, man, this is the last time I'm going to be on stage potentially. Like if it's not tonight, like I'm not competing anymore and kind of being okay with it in that moment. And I truly wish I could say I was the same way now. And maybe by, you know, June 19th of this year, I'll sit on stage and be like, you know what, this is my last day as Miss Arkansas and be okay with it. But right now I'm struggling so much with realizing that like this 10 year journey is almost done. And it's been a part of me for a decade. And there's been so much growth. And this is the first time I've gotten emotional about it. And unfortunately, it's with other people listening who have no idea who I am. So I'm so sorry, listeners. But it's one of those moments where like you realize that just because it has been great and it's been beautiful, it doesn't mean that there isn't something else out there that could match it or top it. And it doesn't take away from the fact that it's going to be incredibly difficult once again to get out of that comfort zone. When I realized that like I am that person that takes each experience and takes each person that I meet and kind of incorporates it into my life story, I found that like, it's okay to be that emotional person, but also to be able to compartmentalize and sit back and realize that just because I'm going to miss it and it's going to be horrible and that this is my last year, doesn't mean that like, it's not going to get better. So it was my fifth year and final year. And then it ended up being a two-year reign as Miss Arkansas. And so hopefully by June 19th, I'll be able to sit back and say like, yay, it's my last time and be okay with it. But as of right now, 10 days away from the start of it, we're not okay. We're working through some of that stuff. (laughs) Well, that's a huge, a huge, massive life shift. But I think that it actually segues perfectly into another question I wanted to ask you. Um, So you are a quarter of the way through med school. Of course, you have residency after that. But what lessons do you think you're going to be able to take from this decade of lessons learned and experiences competing and apply to your professional career as a doctor? I don't know what field you're going into, but yeah. Um, Well, I'm actually, I know I'm going to do pediatrics. I don't know where I'm at on, I, I switch between wanting to do critical care and wanting to do cardiology. Um, I'm actually going to be working at Arkansas Children's Hospital this summer doing research with sickle cell patients. So I'll be doing uh, hematology and oncology. So like, who knows, maybe I'll go be a hematologist. But something I have realized that I've been so grateful for is that the first day of clinicals, 
where you have to go in and talk to a patient and figure out what's wrong with them. And then, and you realize that there is that incredibly vulnerable doctor patient relationship where like these people have to be comfortable telling you everything that they've done in their life that could lead them to why their stomach's hurting now. Um, and there's so many of my classmates who were like, palms are sweating and they were just so they were like oh like I've never talked to this person they don't know me how am I going to do this and I was able to just walk in and be like hey you know my name is Darren I'm going to be your doctor today tell me what's going on and you know I've had some patients that have shared some stuff that I had my classmates and they were like I had to you know keep myself from making a face or from saying something that like was going to come from like a judgmental standpoint whereas I have never had to feel that just because I've had been around so many people and spoken to so many different people from different backgrounds and really been able to build that empathy through this whole decade long extravaganza that has been my life, um, that I've never felt the need to be nervous talking to another person and asking them for their story because I've done it so much. And so that's something that I'm grateful for. And so having the confidence to walk into any room and talk to somebody and not feel like I'm going to be judged if I fumble over an answer and, and don't know why this patient has this rare whatever and this one resident decided to ask me this question in front of 12 people and I'm going to be super embarrassed when I don't know it because I've kind of gotten to where like I've done enough embarrassing things in front of bigger audiences that I'm gonna be like doctor I don't know sorry ask my much smarter classmate and I'll be totally okay admitting that they're much smarter than I am. Of all the traits you can have as a soon to be physician, it would be empathy. I mean, that is really, really awesome. And I think that you're going to be great at it. That'll be really exciting when you finish up. I want to switch gears a little bit uh, and talk about social media. I guess my question is, you know, how can you lead others from an online social media platform? I feel like we have so many celebrities and influencers who they feel like their number one priority is inspiring their followers, but then there's really this huge insecurity somewhere because they're really just constantly showing photoshopped skin and what that translates to for the followers. Like, oh my goodness, I am following this person and I feel awful about myself. Um, So I wanted to ask you, you know, because there's just that huge disparity, I feel like in people who gain a large following and it's obviously not everybody because it's not you. What does it mean to you to be a leader in that online social media platform space? Yeah, I, that was actually something that I did struggle with a lot when I became Miss Arkansas was that they hand you this page that has like 20, at the time had like 28 something thousand followers. Now it has like 26 because COVID, I guess when people went through all their social media and unfollowed people into like, I'm not a branding person. I'm, I'm not, I hate social media at the, at the root of it. Like, I love the fact that I'm able to post stuff and like, see what my friends are doing. But like, I've lost a ton of personal followers, especially last year during all of the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. Like, I feel like people were just going through and just like blocking everyone that they didn't agree with, which like more power to you, make it your own space do your own thing. But I do know a lot of friends of mine who had a big issue with that. They were like, I've lost a thousand followers because I posted whatever. And I'm like, you didn't post that for those followers. You didn't post that for those people. And those people aren't feeding into the the type of community that you want to have around you. So why does it matter? And then even, I I know that we see like the Photoshop skin and the very thin people and we see the Kardashian 
the one that's a Victoria's Secret model. I don't even know their names. They all start with a K. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't know either. (laughs) We, we see them and we're like, man, I would love to look like that. And I struggled with some body image issues and still to this day struggle with it. But then on the flip side of that, we now have this big movement where being vulnerable is what's getting likes. And so people are like, here, these are my roles and they're beautiful. But then at the end of the day, like you feel like you have to continue to post that specific content because you have created that specific following. So then when you do take a picture that you just feel awful about yourself in, you feel the need to post it. And that in and of itself isn't feeding into the positivity that you should have in your own life. And so for me, understanding that like, I'm not gonna please everybody. Darren is not everyone's favorite flavor of ice cream and that's okay. That was something that for me, keeping the positivity and realizing that I don't know most of these people, you know, I do love interacting with people. I love when I get messages on, on Instagram and and on Facebook, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those people are my people. So understanding that going from 28,000 followers to 26,000 followers, heck, if the next Miss Arkansas can get it up to 30,000, that's great. I just hope that she doesn't lose herself and doesn't feel like she has to post to please the masses and then be upset when she realizes that some of the masses aren't on her side because that's just how people are. And, and we're not, we weren't made to have social groups of 30,000 people. I mean, humans in and of ourselves, like we're made to have connections, but we're not supposed to have 30,000 of our closest friends with us. And that was something that kept me sane with having the Instagram influence that I did realizing that like, Some of my posts are not going to be very influential. It's going to be me doing paperwork on my laptop. And I felt the need to share that with y'all today. And then there are going to be days where I'm able to say like, hey, this is something that's important to me. And I think that I should share with you guys. And if that reaches one person out of 20,000, then I did my job. Yeah, I love that. You know, if everybody could just take a second and ask themselves why, I feel Mm -hmm. like that would avoid a lot of a lot of problems and a lot of insecurities for sure. I have the theory that if we got rid of all like social media for two weeks, the world would be such a happier place. Like we would have so many less like fights breaking out on social media and the news might go back to normal for once. And we wouldn't all be like, I, I truly believe get rid of it for two weeks and just watch what happens to society as a whole. And I think it would be a beautiful thing. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Although In full transparency, I do really appreciate keeping up with things. Like if I had to remember everybody's birthday without the little Facebook birthday thing, I don't know where I would be. I think I find that super helpful. Um, I am, I'm right there with you. I think it's also, I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to try and use it for that good, positive type of influence. But I know that there are also a lot of people out there with that intention, which is encouraging it's just like with anything, there's good and bad. Like the same hammer that builds a house also tears down somebody's wall. Double-edged mm-hmm. sword, a hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> um, not necessarily related to social media. So you can answer this with whatever platform yeah. you want to have in mind, but I wanted you to just describe to us your perfect leader and maybe just a handful of traits that your ideal perfect leader would have. Oh gosh, I've got like 18 people in my mind that have just ran through. I really think that a leader knows, they remember what it was like when they weren't the leader. Um, Mm -hmm. I specifically remember, and I guess this is just because I recently talked to this person. I remember the first time that I ever shadowed um, at Arkansas Children's Hospital. I had one doctor who was like, here, sit here with this book because I don't know what else to do with you today. And so I sat there and was like, I have no idea what's going on. Like, this is horrifying. 
And then the next day I had this physician who was like, oh yeah, I remember what it was like to be like, you know, a student. So let's go see this person. And then just ask me what it was that I said that confused you. And it made me realize that that physician remembered what it was like to be in my shoes. And so he remembered number one, I was nervous. Number two, he was going to say stuff that I had no idea what they meant, but he never forgot what it was like when he wasn't the leader. And I feel like that in and of itself made it so much more easy to look up to him as a leader. And it still stuck with me all these years later. And I, I want to continue to do that for my students one day. Um, also, a leader understands that they're not perfect. I think a lot of times when we think about being in charge, we think about like, oh, well, if I have to ask for help, then I shouldn't be in this position because my whatever team leader never had to ask for help. And they always just knew what to do. It goes back to number one, we're not all the same person. And number two, like, it's, it's okay to say like, I'm not good at this, but I know that person is, and they're not a leader and they're, you know, this is their first year on the team, but they're better at that than I am. And to, and to have that humility to say like, all right, someone come help Darren out like, mm-hmm. and, and being okay with that. And then also just being bold enough to go out and make your own opportunity because when you pave the way you're paving it for everyone that wants to come behind you so having the bravery to stand up and say like hey this is what we're going to do it's not going to be perfect it's not going to go well the first time but maybe the person behind me is going to be able to do it so being bold enough to get out of your comfort zone and to go do whatever it is that you feel like you can do in this specific position to make it better for the people that comes behind you And so a leader has to be okay with maybe standing up and realizing like, I'm not going to be the one that builds the treehouse and gets all the glory for it, but I planted the seed when no one cared about the seed. Mm -hmm. And so, and that kind of ties everything back together because you remember what it was like wishing there was a treehouse. You remember what it was like when you realized you had to ask someone how to grow a tree in the first place. And because you asked, because you remembered what it was like when you didn't have it, you were able to take the opportunity, put the the little seed in the ground and have the tree grow for someone that came afterwards. So you're never going to reap that benefit, but you know you did it for somebody else. And so that kind of is what a leader does in, in essence. That's awesome. I love those three. Remembering, you know, your roots and, and what it was mm-hmm. like before you were a leader, uh, being humble enough to ask questions and then bold enough to step out of your comfort zone. My very last question for you yeah. is if you could look every single young woman in the eye right now and tell her one thing, what would it be? I feel like the, the thing to say is like, it's okay. Because I think, you know, to sum up everything, and I'm such a, a talker and I could literally talk everybody's ear off. And I'm so sorry for all the listeners who were like, man, this girl's long-winded. But I feel like if someone had just said like, it's going to be okay. And that's kind of be- become a life motto with me and my mom. Like everything always works out. Even though it, it in this moment, whatever you're going through or not going through, you're thinking like, there is no way this is going to work out. Like whether, cause I had this issue with tests. I was like, I'm going to fail this test. This test is going to be awful. And my mom is always like, it's going to work out in the long run. Like maybe you fail the test and then you get an A on the next one. Maybe you fail the test. You have to retake the class in the summer. It's all going to work out. You're going to make it to the end, regardless of where you're at. It, it's going to work out. And so for me, having the imposter syndrome of realizing like, I am Miss Arkansas, but I don't feel like I'm Miss Arkansas and nobody else is going to think I'm Miss Arkansas it all worked out. And I'm able to look back now and think like, man, I wish that if somebody had told me, like, I felt this way too, just enjoy it, even though you're not comfortable, I would have been able to enjoy so many more moments. Um, when I didn't get into med school and someone had sat there and said, it's okay, it's going to work out. 
I just finished my first year of medical school and I met amazing friends that if I had gotten in my first year, I wouldn't have met these people. I wouldn't have made a new best friend, you know, and being the mascot. I mean, who would have ever thought that me not making the cheer squad all through high school and I was the high school mascot and smelled like a sock every football game. I mean, I've been able to talk about that in countless interviews and it sets me apart in a way that, I mean, people who come in and they were cheerleaders, that's great. I have many friends who are cheerleaders, but like very few people are the mascot. So if anything, I stood out because I smelled horrible all through high school. It worked out and it worked out in a way that was good for me. And just because it was good for me doesn't mean it's going to be the same way for you, but it's going to be okay. And I think as women, we sometimes get so critical on ourselves looking at social media, number one, which can be so toxic for women because of every, all the, the beautiful scenery and the vacations and the clothes and the, the body shapes that we see. If your body is a 12, if it's a two, like it's going to be fine. Because at the end of the day, the only one who can judge yourself for how you look, how you feel, what you do in life, it's you. And so if you can sit down and realize that you're okay with who you are, or you're not okay with who you are, you can make those changes because no one else can. And so understanding that is just something that I feel like if someone had sat me down and said, there's going to be hard times and that's okay, it would have been so much easier to get to where I am today. But because no one did, I'm able to say that to y'all which is great. So it all worked out, right? That is great. Yeah. I think that that'll especially resonate because imposter syndrome, like you mm-hmm. said, if somebody had said, Hey, I felt that way too. It's like, it's going to be okay. That's definitely a real thing that a lot of people struggle with. I <laughs> just want to say thank you so, so much. Um, it's been a joy for me personally, just to like step into this world of competition that you've known your entire life that I had no idea about. And I'm super excited for everybody listening to get to learn a little bit more too, but also just watching you and and following you. And for everybody listening, I am going to link to Darren's Instagram page and and ways that you can kind of keep up with her. But do you want to tell us any other ways that we can keep up with you or... Yeah, I, um, I'm always on Instagram. There's the Miss America page that I will no longer be in control of after June 19th. So you can follow the new Miss Arkansas there if you want to, but if not, I have my Darren Angelique page. Um, and I would love to be able to reach out for people to reach out to me. I never want people to think like, Oh, I'm going to bother her with this weird question. Like whether it's about competing, whether it's about medical school, whether it's about life, like 100% feel free to reach out to me. There's also a Facebook page that I have. That's the Darren Dahl and Miss Arkansas one that they can reach out to. But if there's any questions or just any statements, cat pictures, just send them to me. I would love to see them. (laughs) That's awesome. Okay. Well, I I will link to Instagram and Facebook, Um, but thank you so much for your time and, and good luck with everything going forward and going into the summer and then into your next year. And then before you know it, you'll be done with med school and then into what, what, you, what everything is in store for you afterwards. Yes. So much school left. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. Thank you so much, Darren. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on the Best You Can Be Leadership Podcast. If you are as excited as I am about diving into our potential and stepping into the very best versions of ourselves, then follow me on Instagram at bestyoucanbe and don't be afraid to send me a message. You can also visit bestyoucanbe.com and fill out a contact me form. I can't wait to meet you. In this episode, I've stuck my hand out to introduce myself to you, but go ahead and do the same for me. Tell me who you are, what your story is, and what you would like to see most in lessons to apply to your leadership experiences. 
Until next episode, keep going, keep growing, and keep becoming the best you can be. 